Well, good morning, Philpot Church. We are happy to be worshiping with you, even digitally. And I don't know about you, but at this time with COVID-19, a lot of my days are just running together. And one of the things I miss about gathering as a church is it was a weekly reminder of the gospel, of the story that we have all participated in and been recipients of God's grace. And so I invite you as we begin to worship and uh, to participate in this time together, whether you're at home uh, by yourself or with others, and whether you choose to sing or just to listen in, to use this moment as a time to engage with God and a kind to mark a time to mark your week, to remember the story of the gospel, and to remember the God who gives us life and gives us grace and is the source of our joy. So I invite you to worship. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, real good to be together again and uh, glad to be able to come together in this manner, in this season, and to share God's uh, word with you today. You know, there's a lot of talk uh, in these days about when this is over. And I've noticed a lot of, you know, articles and opinion pieces being written about, you know, the things that people will do when this is over. I, I stumbled upon uh, a piece from the Washington Post um, carried a story of a Brooklyn documentary editor, Eric Mayerson, and his friend Julie Ellman, a professor at Ohio University, who started an Instagram account by the name When This Is Over. And the account is a collection of images that helps others remember the aspects of life that they will love again after this pandemic is over. So let me give you a little sample and hopefully if this works properly you'll be able to see these images and what some of these people wrote about. So Micah who's a university student posted this image and said all of my notifications are disappointment and bad news. I'm hoping once this is over, we won't be bombarded by negativity. Uh, there's Julie, who's a, a university prof, and, and she writes and she says, When this is over, our house will be super clean. That may or may not be true for you. My hair will be really, really gray. My banjo playing will be much improved. Our dogs will be spoiled and will always want us to stay home. <laughs> There's Donovan, who uh, Donovan lives away from his family. And he posted this picture and said, I can't wait till I can safely travel and see them. And there may be a lot of you in that, in that boat. Um, uh, Delia, who's eight years old. And so if you kids there, uh, hey, look at the screen for a second. Delia, who's eight, uh, said this, when this is over, we will celebrate and I will play with my friends. And maybe you want to go now and draw a picture of something that you're going to look forward to doing when this is over. And then one more, Eric. Eric says, me and the missus are heading south to Antarctica. And so when, when this is over, um, I was thinking about that. You know, in the, 
in the early days of this pandemic, I think that I kind of had a, a light switch mentality to all of this. I, you know, especially when I, when we made the decision or to shut down our, our physical gatherings, you know, I was kind of thinking in the early days, okay, you know, we'll, we'll do this for a short time, maybe a, a few weeks, it might stretch into a month and then all of a sudden, you know, we'll flick a switch or someone will flick a switch and we'll all be back to, to normal. That was kind of the kind of my, my, my way of thinking in the very early days. Well, we all know that that's kind of not how this has played out. Uh, author Minnie Dark said this in an article in ABC News. She said, there is a lot of talk right now about when this is over. As if our choices are between the life we used to lead and lockdown. But we are about to enter an in-between space in which we will need to reinvent our lives. I want you to think about that, this in-between space. Over the last number of weeks, Jesse and I have been exploring stories from, um, from the Bible of people who were living in an in-between space. And specifically, we've been looking at stories of, of you know, followers of Jesus who were living in this post-resurrection season, you know, specifically between, between Easter and, and the resurrection from the dead and the day of, of Pentecost, which we're going to celebrate and talk about next, next Sunday, Lord willing. And one thing I think we can say about this in-between time is that there were followers of Jesus, but there wasn't really any kind of movement that could be called the church. And so we've been looking at these post-resurrection these post narratives and, and what we see happening in these stories um, are, are people receiving a revelation of Jesus, a revelation of the resurrected Christ. The last time I preached, we were in the last chapter of, of Luke's gospel and let's place ourselves again in the scene all right so it's it's later in the day on easter sunday we have two uh, followers of Jesus who now are traveling from Jerusalem to a village named Emmaus uh, they are talking about the just the amazing events of this weekend, the tragic events of the weekend and, and you know, of Jesus' death and now all of a sudden there's a missing body and as they're, as they're walking along, Luke tells the story of, these, of Jesus now appearing to them and walking with them and, and Luke says that they don't recognize him as they're walking and, and then, of course, the scene shifts to a table in the, in the village of Emmaus, and they're, they're sharing a meal together. And Luke says that as they're, as they're gathered around that table, breaking bread together, Luke says that their eyes were opened. And their eyes were opened to, to see Jesus, to, to see, have a revelation of, of the resurrected Jesus. And then the scene shifts again back to a, a locked room in Jerusalem. And we, we have a, a room full of the disciples, other people, and, 
and they are they're troubled and they're 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 struggling with doubts and trying to make sense of things and and then Jesus appears and and he he speaks a word of peace to them and and then he he says you know see my hands and my feet and touch me and see and and give me something to eat and so we we've been invited by Luke into a coming to joy-filled faith kind of story from a, a progression from a lack of recognition to full recognition and it is a beautiful picture that Luke gives us of Jesus dealing with people in unique ways giving them what they need to experience and to see and to believe in order to believe for themselves and I think it's at this point where you know, the curious reader is no doubt stepping back and asking, well, why? What, what's, what's happening here? Where, where is this leading? I mean, what is the point of Jesus uh, suffering and dying? And, and now, the, what, what's the point that he, he's now alive and, and coming to these people to bring them to a, a place of joy-filled faith? And I, I think our Bible reading today as we finish off uh, this account will begin to answer some of these questions and and as we read today's text i would suggest that that easter the events of jesus death burial and resurrection they build a bridge to the future so with that in mind let's read from luke chapter 24 verses 44 to 49 Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 49. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Amen. May, may God bless again the reading of his word. Here in a few sentences, we are brought, I think, into the meaning of Jesus' resurrection, the reason why Jesus has been raised from the dead, and it all centers around mission. Mission. You know, um, there's a, you hear a lot of talk about companies uh, right now in this current pandemic, and uh, you see a lot of advertisements and a lot of companies talking about how their mission is continuing even during this very unique time. And uh, they're wanting to reassure, you know, their customers and others that they're still 
um, you know, functioning and carrying out the mission that they have. And certainly it's a time like this that brings it a lot of innovation in, in, in different companies. Well, what we're seeing here in these post-resurrection stories is a progression of revelation that's leading to mission. And the point of Jesus' resurrection for these first followers was not about living happily ever after or, or now they're all going to go to heaven, nor would they stay in locked rooms. The, resurrection, the resurrected Jesus appears to them, brings them on this journey of faith so that they would now join Jesus on his mission in a brand new way. They, they, they are becoming effective witnesses. And so the resurrection of Jesus was a bridge to a new future. The, these Folk who are hiding in a locked room are about to be sent out on mission. And it's a mission rooted in the reality that the whole world needs to be swept up into the embrace of God's saving and, and healing love. So, what does, what does Luke tell us about God's mission? So we think of the resurrection being this bridge to a future, a future centered on mission. What does Luke tell us about God's mission? And I think there are, there are five things that, that we can identify here. You're welcome, a five-point sermon. And we haven't even got to the first point yet. I mean, this is really, really encouraging. I mean, aren't you glad that you're sitting on a soft Chesterfield, uh, you know, for this five-point sermon? This, I, I, I kind of wish you were at the, you're on the hard pews here in the church to kind of keep you engaged, right? So, so what does Luke tell us about God's mission? Well, the first thing I think uh, that we know about that Luke tells us is that, that, that this new mission is centered on a call to preach. It's a call to, to proclaim. Look at verse number, number 47. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. You know, that word that, that's translated proclaimed here uh, is used widely in the Gospels and throughout the New Testament. Uh, and and it's, it's often translated as proclaimed or to preach. And the same word is, is used to describe how Jesus began his ministry. The Gospel writers say that he began to preach. He, be, he began to proclaim. And so God's mission is centered around the announcement, the proclamation of news, of good news. And so at the heart of God's mission is not good advice to be followed, at the heart of God's mission is, is not some ethical teaching that we have to live up to. God's mission is first the announcement of news. It's the announcement of the good news about God, about his saving work, about what he has done. And, and I think that's important for us to remember that God's mission is centered around the announcement of news. 
So Luke tells us that about God's mission. It's, a, it's about a call to preach, to proclaim, to announce the news, the good news. The second thing uh, Luke tells us about God's mission is that the message is a call to repentance. Again, verse 47, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. Repentance is about the realignment of one's life toward God and his purposes. It's the, it's the realignment around God's purpose for you and God's purpose for the world. Repentance is a, is a call to turn to God in faith. To change the whole direction of your life. It's, it's acknowledging that much of what we are chasing after in life is not centered around God's purposes. The, the success we chase after and our personal happiness and material prosperity, that, that, that all of these things are not at, at, the, at the center of, of, of God's purposes for us. And so th there is this call that's a part of God's mission for people to turn to God and to realign one's entire life toward God. And so Jesus suffered and died so that God's message of Repentance might be announced to people. So it's a call to, to announce news. This news is centered on a call to repentance. The third thing Luke tells us about this new mission is that this call to repentance leads people to experience the forgiveness of sins. Again, in verse 47. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. Sin, sin speaks to what separates us from God. Sin, it speaks to, to an obstacle, a barrier that stands between us, between humanity and a, and a holy God. Romans 3 verse 23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the fact is that every single person owes a sin debt. And it's this sin debt that separates us from God. You know, it is, it is crippling to owe a debt that you have no ability to pay. It's just truly crippling. I was thinking about, you know, uh, uh, debt and owing a debt. And I remember uh, as, as a child uh, growing up in a uh, somewhat of a quiet street in, in our hometown of Bay Roberts, Newfoundland. And, and there, was a, uh, there was a little corner store right at the end of our street that was owned by, by, a, by a gentleman. His name was George Bishop. And he has since gone home to... To, to be with Jesus, but he owned this little cornerstone. And as kids, you know, we would often gather there and go in and, and buy things that kids like to buy, you know, a, a bag of chips and a, a chocolate bar and a, a can of can of Coke and 
I think that might have cost 60 cents for all three of it back back when I was when I was buying that all the the good old days right but but anyway I, I what I what I remember though is when I found out that I could take those things and not have to pay for them why because I found out that my mom had a running tab at this store. This was back in the day when you could walk into his store and, and the storekeeper had a, had, a, had, a, had a book where he would keep track of what people were buying. And then every so often, you know, you'd go in and you'd, you'd just pay and straighten out your tab. You'd pay what was owed. And so when I clued into that, I could walk into a store and, and I'd say, I want a bag of chips and a, and a, and a bar and a pop. And, and the best part of all, put that on mom's tab. Put that on mom's account. I mean, it was a wonderful revelation. And every so often, mom would go into the store and she would pay what was owed. God's mission in the world centers around the fact that we have a sin debt that we are unable to pay. In fact, there is only one person who has made a way for our sin debt to be canceled. And Romans 3 goes on to say, Romans 3, verses 22 to 24, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption of that is in Christ Jesus. And so this new mission that we're brought into is a call to people to repent and that through repentance, our sin debt is canceled and we are brought into a new way of relating with God. We're brought into a brand new life and all the joy of knowing our sins are forgiven. Point number four, if you're keeping track. Point number four about God's mission that Luke says is that this mission is all about Jesus. And it's based upon Jesus' work and it flows from his authority. Look at verse 44. The, the, the scripture says, uh, the scripture says um, he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so all things about this mission are centered on Jesus and, and, and his authority as the risen Christ. Verse 45 says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And I think in the context here, their minds were being opened to the good news about Jesus and specifically about how all of the sacred Jewish writings pointed toward Jesus and were fulfilled in Jesus. You know, it's as if Jesus lays his hand on the whole book, you know, what we refer to and what we know as the Old Testament, and, and he declares, it all points to me. I, I, I'm the fulfillment of all of, all of, of what has been written about me in these, in these scriptures. And so Jesus is central to God's mission. 
and the transformation of these disciples into gospel witnesses, it flows from his authority. The final thing we can say about God's mission from this passage is that it's for all nations. Verse 47. That this message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. All nations beginning from Jerusalem. And, and, and note that there's this, that, that the mission moves out from the center. And, and that's, a, that's a significant point. And we'll, we'll, we'll pick up on that next week as we, as we continue on and as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. But note that the mission here is not about uh, people coming to uh, Jerusalem as the center, but you'll note that, that this mission now that, that, that God has, has brought people into, is, is it moves outward from the center. It begins from Jerusalem and, and expands to the different nations and people groups. And so this, this is a message for the world. This is a gospel for the nations. And so God's good news must go around the world and across the street. And so it means that we are to share the gospel everywhere using our time and our resources, yeah, to go around the world and across the street. So what, is, what does Luke tell us about, about God's mission? There's a call to preach. It's about the announcement of news. It's centered on a call to repentance which leads to the, the, the forgiveness of sins. It's all based upon Jesus and his authority, his work, and it's a, it's a mission for the nations. So let's, let's finish up. Did I hear someone say amen when I said that? Let's finish up. We, we began thinking about the concept of this in-between space and Specifically, this in-between space between Easter and, and Pentecost. And what I want us to notice in closing it that is that there is, a, there is a profound work of God that's ongoing in this middle space. What's, what's happening in this middle space is that we have the, the shaping of witnesses. We have the forming of of people who are being prepared for, for mission, this bridge to the future. We have the forming of the kind of witnesses that would be needed for this new movement that was about to be birthed, the church. And a lot is happening in this in-between space. And I think, I think there are essentially two things that were needed, two things that were needed in this middle space. The first thing was a revelation of Jesus, that these first followers needed their eyes to be opened to Jesus, to the resurrected Christ. 
Verse 45 talks about how he opened their minds. And so they needed instruction and they needed inspiration. And I, I like the words of the, uh, the, um, the old preacher Alexander McLaren who said, It was not enough to spread truth before the disciples. He did more. He made them able to receive it. And they needed a revelation of Jesus. And there is a fresh revelation from God that's happening in this in-between space that is leading to mission. It's a fresh revelation of Jesus. It's, it, it's, it's, it's hearts being captured by, by the gospel. And so that was needed. The second thing that was needed is that they, are going, they would need to be clothed with power. The task ahead is so vast, so large, that they would be need to be filled with divine power. That's where Luke ends off, and that's where we'll pick up this story next week, Lord willing. Guys, come back and, and uh, get ready to lead us in another, another song. Let me, uh, let me ask you just a few questions before we sing again. Think about these questions. Um, what is God doing in us in this in-between time? What is God doing in us in this in-between time. What is God doing in you? What is God doing in you? What is God saying to us corporately about His mission and our church. Friends, let's, let's remind ourselves that we have a responsibility to make disciples of our neighbors and the nations. So what is God saying to us as a church about his mission in this in-between time, in this in this season of transition. You know, I, I think we as a church, we're already kind of in a season of transition just by the virtue of a change in, in um, pastoral leadership. It's always a time for transition and renewal. And, and now we come into this in-between space. And so what's God saying to us about about his mission in our church. How, how are we to engage? And, and what, is it, what is it we're praying about and for? And You know, God's mission, this mission of, of making disciples of our neighbors and the nations, it really should affect everything about us. It should affect our, our budgets and it should affect our ministries and it should affect our plans for the future and it, it should affect our, our facilities and decisions surrounding that. We are a people on mission. 
and in this in-between season, I, I pray that our hearts are being recaptured by the gospel. You know, at our, at our most recent, uh, or our city briefing on Friday, a statement was made that very few things will be exactly as they were back in January and February. I, I hope we're not the same either. I, I hope we're not the same either. I hope that in this in-between space, God is doing a renewing work in each of our lives. and Maybe reorienting our lives around his mission in a fresh and a new way. Let me pray with us before we sing again. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and for this reminder that your, your resurrection, Jesus, is really a, really a bridge to a future. It's a future of mission and new purpose. It's, it's, it's joining you in your mission of making disciples of our neighbors and the nations, of, of really having this, this concern, Lord, for, for your work around the world and across the street, Lord. And I pray that you will help us in a fresh way right now in these moments. To, may, may, may our hearts be recaptured by the gospel. May we have this fresh revelation, Lord Jesus, of who you are. And, and may we have this progressive revelation, Lord, that leads us to a renewal of mission, of evangelistic imagination, Lord. So, Lord, thank you for your work in each of our lives. We rejoice in the gospel and sins forgiven. And Lord, we want the world to be swept up in your embrace. We give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing this. Amen. Thanks, guys, for leading us in that song and for leading us in worship today. And it's been good to be together. God bless you. Trust you're doing well despite the, the difficulties of this season. And uh, we just keep trusting God. And I and, uh, just pray that you'll spend some time with the Lord this week and just reflecting upon his work in your life and the mission that he has called us to. Um, invited to join Join us tomorrow night for our, uh, our online Bible study, 8 o'clock, digging into doctrine and continuing that study, and uh, our Wednesday night prayer and worship time. And so we look forward to what God has in store for us this week. Let me read to you. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone.